Hello and welcome to the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom and I'm joined by director Mel Kanarek. Hi Mel. Hello. And also by our very special guest today, it's Johnny Briggs from Field Design. Hi, hi Johnny. Hi there, you alright? Hello, I said hi Field Design there then, that's a bit... <laughs> <They're not okay. laughs> Um, and uh, Field, of course, are co-producers of the Sheffield Digital Festival, which we would all be recovering from right now if it weren't for the uh, coronavirus crisis. Um, as uh, yesterday, as we record, would have been the, the main event, um, which is a bit sad, but uh, we've got you here to, uh, to chat anyway. Um, where should we start? Let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, uh, about how things are going with you. So maybe a very uh, brief intro- introduction to Field and kind of what you do, uh, but also how things are going with you at the moment. Yeah, Field are sort of primarily a sort of multifaceted design agency. We deal with brand projects through to medium-sized digital projects, I would say, ranging from web builds to AR to where they cross over in museums and galleries and places like that. So, yeah, we we do quite a broad range of stuff, but it's always design-led, I would say. That's, that's kind of what defines us. Um, and, yeah, we would have been... Well, yeah, busy and recovering today, but yeah, back to the day job, I would say, rather than uh, enjoying the festival, which is which is a shame, but it will it will happen when 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 appropriate. Yeah. So, how are things going for field generally at the moment? Um, I would say in the first couple of weeks, sort of late March, early April, it was a bit a bit unsettling to say the least. Um, we got everyone back home with computers and fortunately they've all got decent broadband connections so we didn't have too much to worry about but um, yeah we, we a lot of jobs just disappeared off the cliff the first couple of weeks working on we were working on a lot of exhibitions and museum projects and they suddenly went very quiet um, but I think everybody went very quiet for a couple of weeks not really knowing what to what to do next but since then I think quite a lot of those projects have reappeared in a different in a different shape i would say the exhibitions have all been delayed but they still they're still there and so i was quite excited stuff to do next year that that we were halfway through and a lot of the the stuff we usually do for colleges and universities and around degree show time they're all going online so the stuff we would have been doing physically is has turned into web delivery really but it offers different opportunities and creates a in some ways, it's a legacy document for what we're going through now. It's, it will be very much a time capsule, I think, some of the things we're doing, whether it would have been in print or or whether it would have sort of been delivered as a web a web project. Um, so that's, I think that's how things have shifted. Yeah. It's really interesting, the idea of, uh, of the work still being there. So if we're going to get brutal, like the budget is still there, but, but actually what you've been asked to do, quite different. How long did it take the clients to come to that decision and, and uh, it sounds like it's quite handy for you to be quite a multidisciplinary uh, organisation to be able to go, yeah, okay, well, we'll do this other thing instead. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose one, of the, one of the challenges is to let, let the people you know, you already work with who know you for one thing, know that you do other things as well, because sometimes you, in their minds, you get, they understand you as a, a print design agency or a, a branding company or somebody who, as marketing campaigns or whatever that might be but they don't always unless you unless you're explicit you say this we do this 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 and this and here's a big list of stuff we do they don't always think that you do the other stuff um 
But yeah, the the one project or the couple of projects we're talking about of the of the universities. So they they were just about to get to work on their yearbook, which is something we do for them every year for the for the RCA interiors course. Um, and they the, their first instinct was, well, we, we won't need the book this year because we're not having an exhibition. But I think conversations happen over the first three or four weeks, and people start to form new ideas and. Yeah, another conversation happened maybe two or three weeks ago that we were going to we we're going to do it differently, um, and for the for the students it probably is a different experience. But they you know, they would have had a book to take away, but now they'll have a a longer lasting presence online. I would say and more more personal profile um, from what we're going to do. Um, but yeah, it's it just it's just about being agile, I guess, and not in the not in the coding way, but just in the in the way you respond to problems um, I think that's what design agencies generally do don't they they sort of respond to problems or respond to things happening around them where they look for a creative solution I feel like it's uh, this situation has potentially shown a lot of organizations that wouldn't typically ever consider doing so much work remote or or, or digital um, versions of things like you say an exhibition in this case I think it's forced people into thinking or, or seeing what's possible because there's been no other choice. So you're like there, the, the first of all, we just won't have a book. But actually, after a couple of weeks ago, there was a realisation that this is going to be like this for a while. So you know, you kind of got to do something. And then because we're in this position and I don't know how much persuading you had to do or whether it came from, from, from them in that particular case. But this idea of like understanding what's possible, I think is something that is probably going to change forever yeah I would, I would say we, it wasn't about persuading because I think we were very understanding that um, this is not a time to go knocking on people's doors and say why aren't you doing that anymore because they've got their own stuff to deal with their days have probably changed as well um, so we, we were very much sort of let's let's get our own ship in order and make sure we're prepared and make sure we're we're doing all the things we normally do to keep our studios and the people who work in the studio are happy and trying to get their work environment right first of all and yeah it, yeah our first point of focus was well let's concentrate on our website a little bit more and get some new content on there um, so there was a bit of a dip at the beginning so we've managed to do that and sort of refresh the website in the interim as well so um yeah it's it allowed us to do a bit of housekeeping i would say in that in that first couple of weeks where everyone was just a bit unsure um, there's still a lot of uncertainty around, but I think people are just trying to kind of figure out their new way of doing things. And yeah, the, I think there's been some new projects that have arisen out of this as well as some of the some of the bigger event-based stuff's gone away. Um, and projects that have been sort of stalled for a little while because generally people want the project, but they don't have time to write the content or get their team together to work on that particular project, a lot of that stuff just just reared its head again, starting to happen now. Yeah, I've, I've seen that as well. It's, it's, we've sort of been through a bunch of phases, haven't we? There was the initial sort of shock and, oh my goodness, how do we deal with this and how do we rearrange how we work? And then there was, after we'd figured that out, there was kind of, what can we still do and what's going to need to be done differently with the existing work and then there seemed to be a period where people had perhaps the time or, or the space in their heads 
to really focus in on ideas that they'd been, you know, oh, sort of had on the back burner, you know, I, I need to get to that. I want to think, but I'm not going to do it now because it needs too much thought. And they were actually able to focus in and look at those ideas in detail and then start to think about how they'd move them forward. And I've, I've been pulled into a couple of things that are really exciting, which I've been kind of waiting for other people to say, yes, we've got time to think and, and pay attention to this. Have you seen that same kind of focus coming through? I, I would say so, yeah. Uh, in that in the, some of the conversations we've been having have been a lot clearer and a lot more, I would say a lot more thought out before before they arrived at us, I would say, before we got involved in the conversation. I've also noticed it in terms of studio time. In terms, I think when, you, when you're in a studio, not, not that I want to stay away from the studio, I'd like to be back one day, um, but when you're in a studio quite often, you can you can shout across a room and ask someone to do something or somebody can ask you to do something that, that maybe interrupts the flow of what you're doing um, because it seems more urgent at the time. And I suppose with things like that not happening and those sort of, could we just do this quickly in five minutes because it's really urgent, That that's not really happening. So I think that's where that focus is coming from. I think it's the, I've got this job to do and I can focus on it. It's unlikely the phone will ring. I will still be getting emails, but I, I can compartmentalise them. Whereas the yeah. phone, you can't, you can't just ignore it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I think from our point of view, I, I think that, that's where I think that focus comes from. Um, and I, I think, I think we've had perhaps, yeah, perhaps given ourselves a little bit more time on projects than we normally would have. So the clients have benefited because they probably were probably spending longer on projects than we'd anticipated. So they're getting more for their money, if you like, at the moment. Because they're getting that commuting time as well. (laughs) It's that old over-servicing trap that you don't want to fall into. But but yeah, I really hear what you're saying about having uh, thinking time. And um, I was interested, you, you sort of mentioned that as creative people working in the creative industries, kind of our bread and butter is thinking our way out of situations you know finding a problem and then thinking through it and coming out the other side and you know if ever there was a situation that required some creative problem solving this one's it um so an awful lot of people are really rising to the challenge at the moment and it's exciting to see what they're producing what they're making happen you mentioned to me um when we were chatting separately Uh, yesterday that there are a couple of projects that had come to you that were specifically related to covid that that wouldn't have happened without the situation can you tell us a bit more about those yes but i suppose the main one to focus on really is something called artstrop which came from a a previous contact where uh, an organization called the creative learning guild in in calderdale um that they I think a lot of people are putting their resource online, but this one's a little bit different. So they they work with sort of carers and underprivileged families and create resources that go online, which I think that's that's the bit that a lot of people are doing. But what they also do is deliver the art materials to the people that need them so that if they can't afford them or they can't access them for whatever reason, they're, they're com- combine, they're making sure the two things synchronize so that the workshops they're offering 
they're not saying, oh, wouldn't it be great if you went and built a windmill, for example. They're, they're, providing, they're providing this stuff for them to go and, go and make what they're, what they're putting on their website. Um, I think that's going live next Friday. So they're obviously taking a slightly longer term view on this. And I think in the current climate, not, not expecting kids to go back to school before September, I would, I would imagine. Um, so yeah, this is this is this is them offering this. They offer these services anyway, but with people getting harder to reach, I think they see this as a long-term vision as well as a short-term fix. Um, and I think I think that's been the same with a, a couple of clients really in terms of a, sh a shop site that we're building for someone who used to sell to the to the um, to the pub chains. So they're they're going. To, they're changing part of their model to go to co go consumer facing now, so that's something new that's come out of this as well. Um, a little bit more of a there's a commercial long term project as well for an established business, but this is them sort of taking online a bit more seriously, I'd say, um, and realizing there's a national market for a, for a local company. So yeah, they're the they're the two examples I could give. One one very kind of very close to the current situation in terms of schools and resource and one that's just about an established business thinking this may go on longer than we than anybody's kind of thinking at the moment and even if it doesn't it's made them think differently about their business yeah i think it's really encouraging to hear because when i'm in various um you know city council and sheffield city region meetings and they're talking about you know our businesses taking this opportunity to think about what digital can do for them um, it's always nice to have real examples that i can give and say yes well i know that this company's doing this this company's doing that or this you know organization has pivoted in this way and i think having those concrete examples it's much easier for other people to imagine oh actually that might apply to my business as well but you did also tell me about um, a really interesting little creative project for a billboard in london somewhere yeah so we've worked with an organization called interior educators for about well, almost since the beginning of field maybe eight or nine years so we would have been well we are celebrating our 10th year this year it just doesn't doesn't feel time to celebrate it so we'll, we'll kind of postpone that to maybe end of year early next year um but yeah we've, we've worked with interior educators since almost since the beginning um and they would have been having a show on the South Bank in the OXO building, uh, if, you, if you know it. Um, but around the, the base of the OXO building, there's something called the Coy Street Community, which do a lot of sort of, um, they, put, there's a lot of, they put a lot of social initiatives on in that area, for the people that live there and the businesses that are there. But they asked IE to get involved in creating positive messages on, a, on this digital billboard that sits on Waterloo Bridge. And they consequently asked us if we'd like to share their space. So we've got seven and a half seconds to get a positive message across. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's a nice thing to do. And I think it's, it's the kind of thing that we like doing when we're not filling out work. It's, it's kind of partly why we set up, really. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, nice, it's a nice little project that will hopefully have some, make someone smile along the way when they're on the bus. Yeah, well, I think we could all use, you know, positive messages being pushed in our faces when we're out and about at the moment. If if we go out and about, um, <laughs> my positive messages mainly come from seeing 
lambs in the field and things like that. Maybe I wanted we to a picture of a lamb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you need. Yeah, I'm not going to go into sort of Sheffield <laughs> type things that people in London might find uplifting. <laughs> I wanted to circle back and actually rope in into this conversation a little bit in terms of whether we've noticed that people are actually being motivated to take a different approach. Um, you know, I'm seeing it in some of the work that I do both with Sheffield Digital and outside Sheffield Digital. And Ian, you know, you're self-employed freelancer as well. Are you seeing any innovative thinking in your client base? Um, uh, yes, uh, in, and, and kind of along the lines, as, as I just mentioned, really, people who previously wouldn't have considered doing things digitally now are having to and so are uh, are uh, enjoying it and making a difference and uh, and having an impact in different ways. Um, and then uh, my, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, actually, it's hard to know when you do so many Zoom calls, it's hard to know what you've said to who. I know that it should be the same in real life. I seem to find it harder um, in this life. Um, but uh, the publishing industry is a really good example. And there's lots of digital activity, lots of, lots of digital companies, maybe not so many in Sheffield, I suppose, but um, all the literary events, book launches, there's loads of stuff that is, you know, it's a really in-person kind of industry. And there's been so much, um, you might call it, it's innovation for them because they're doing things in a way that was just, you know, un un not really thought of before, but online, online book launches, uh, literary festivals, all done online. Uh, loads of author interviews, podcasts springing up here, there, and everywhere, in terms of comms and that kind of thing, and um, and so it's been really interesting to see that that there are people who are reticent to do things digitally beforehand are now having to and are actually embracing it. And in terms of like, if we bring that back to like a client base kind of uh, angle, I think that there is as people who do digital stuff. The reality is most of our digital work comes from people who know about digital stuff and want digital stuff. These are, these are not the correct terms, but you know what I mean. And so I, I do wonder whether, as the world now becomes to doing things, uh, comes used to doing things online, it becomes much more of the norm the longer it goes on. And people have the skills to do digital um, events or production or whatever it might be. Then at some point, if not now, having the expertise to show people how to do it and to provide those kinds of production services or build websites or you know membership sites if you can't do things in person maybe you can start making income in different ways through memberships or subscriptions or whatever it might be that um that actually the digital sector might be able to uh make the most of that i suppose or or help people change and get those skills that they're having to learn in a rush to find a way to help them kind of get embedded so it just becomes uh, more of a uh a normal life for those kinds of clients who you probably would never have considered working with before. I think you're so right. I think, you know, there's, there, there's, you hate to say, you know, there's a, there's an opportunity here in this, you know, really quite scary and, and difficult situation that we all find ourselves in where, you know, people are losing loved ones and our health service is stretched and, and all of that. But, I am having an awful lot of conversations about once we once we've done the taking care of things and once we've dealt with the 
immediate emergency and once we figured out how we're going to support the people who are out of jobs or you know the businesses that are in trouble then it's really important that we look at where where do we want to recover to so there's been a lot of discussion about we don't want to just recover back to where we were before because we're not necessarily that sure that where we were before was such a good place to be um, and I've you've seen the hashtag build back better um, and just this idea of when we're talking about recovery let's have a clear idea in our heads of a better position that we want to recover to and think about how we might get there and digital is just going to be such a huge player in that and making sure that people don't get left behind in this you know new because they're not as well equipped to do digital things or deal with digital things um, all of that's been talked about a lot at the moment which i find really encouraging because it's maybe stuff that we've paid lip service to as a society in the past but not really done anything about and now maybe we're actually going to start doing something about it um, so yeah sorry i went off on a bit of a, a philosophical rant there didn't i <laughs> and that was even without having chris diamond here to go quite, me on go on johnny how, what were you going to say in the short to medium term and how people think around those because i think people people like to showcase product and um what they've been making the kind of stuff you are allowed to touch then that's got to be kind of thought about hasn't it and whether that's a i think it's some of the things we do in in my teaching time is we with what they refer to as a blended blended learning some stuff's online some stuff's in person um and i think that the model of that or the shape of that going forward is going to be a lot more i think your small tutorial groups will still happen but i think a lot of your lectures for the immediate future will be online um, so yeah i don't know if, if that's the form that sort of some exhibitions will take so spaces that are divided up rather than big open spaces such as the kind of more traditional conference centre that you get might it might benefit some of these smaller spaces that Sheffield has. Um, but Sheffield doesn't have the big conference venue, does it? No, I mean, I guess in terms of the city centre collider where we held the first festival main event last year is perhaps one of the biggest or there's City Hall, isn't there, which is quite big. But But even then, I don't know if we'll see gatherings of a couple of hundred people anytime soon and and you know this brings us to what we were discussing about what are we going to do about the sheffield digital festival that we should have been just wrapping up yesterday with our main event where we were hoping to have a couple of hundred people in in co-host at collider um and and johnny you and i were talking about it while there's there's a lot of almost pressure at the moment to set a date and say, yes, we're going to do it in the autumn, you know, and, and other festivals are doing that. And they're saying, you know, we are going to be happening in the autumn. Just for me, I don't know if I'm super cautious, but it just feels a bit too soon to make that kind of commitment. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think it would be nice to do it in 2020. I think that would be the as far as I'd be willing to go at the moment. Yeah. Um, so even if that's even if that's November December time when we can have a little bit more clarity about what's what the right way forward is and what, how to shape it really, um, 
I think obviously people hold it, hosting their own events is going to get more difficult for them. So we have to offer some guidance. Um, and we, and then that means we need some guidance on what's, what's appropriate. Um, so I think a lot of things need to kind of have a knock-on effect before we can say with certainty it's going ahead at this time. Um, but obviously we want to do it. We want, we want to kind of keep, keep the same approach. We want to keep, it's about bringing, bringing that creative and digital community together, isn't it? To see what they can do when they're not sort of in their own worlds, if you like. Um, were you, but to um, do that, we, go on, sorry. Sorry, I just wondered whether you were, whether you were, had been tempted to try and do the whole thing online. And if not, why, why not? Why did you not? I think, uh, do you mind if I answer this one, Mel? I don't mind at all if you go first. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was almost entirely down to timing. I think Leeds had already got their schedule pretty much packed up. So I think it was easier for them to go out to everybody who'd agreed to do something in person and say, would you like to think about doing something online or, or whatever shape it takes without kind of meeting in a place? Whereas we were perhaps seven, eight weeks behind that. And we just start to form our program. We we thankfully got all the speakers lined up for the main event, but we were still kind of sort of getting the fringe together. So I think for us, I, I think we, we realised people had a lot on their plate at that moment in time, and this probably wasn't going to be their top priority. So it was it was better to completely postpone rather than have something that felt a bit undercooked, if you like. Yeah, I think we had we had such ambitious plans for this year and how it was going to build on what we started in 2019, but really take it up, not just one level, but several levels. Um, and to sort of half deliver or kind of limply deliver on that ambition just didn't feel like something I wanted to do. Apart from the fact that there was just so much going on and so much to deal with that the idea of trying to coordinate and ask a whole bunch of people to put time aside as you said Johnny to get something online I just I couldn't couldn't find the capacity in my head to do it but I'm you know both Sheffield Digital and Field I mean we're completely committed to the festival carrying on and to doing something this year if we possibly can although we don't know what the shape of that something will be there is also a part of me that feels like Yes, we can do an awful lot online and virtually, and a lot of it works very well, but it still isn't quite the same as being in a room with other people. And for me, that was quite a, an important element of the festival and of sort of showing that Sheffield had the clout to have that kind of event going on. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And I think what pleasantly surprised me last year even though it was it was put together quite quickly um was the range of people in that room on the last day that from all sorts of different backgrounds and that was that was the ambition really it wasn't it wasn't about being an echo chamber it was about people who perhaps weren't involved in design or technology want to see what was what was happening what was possible and through to sort of perhaps decision makers who were just there as an interested part to see well if this is what the city's doing what what more potential has it got? And I think you can only really do that when you get that broad sort of church of people together. Um, and it might happen online in little sort of pockets or side rooms, but you won't get that sort of 
for example, someone's someone's parent coming up and asking, is this the right industry for my child? Or, you know, th- those sorts of conversations, I guess. And you haven't always got the right answer for them, but you can have a conversation about it. Um, but yeah, that's, I thought that's what was really good about the closing event last year. Um, and hopefully that scales up, whether that's several events or whether it's several rooms or whether it's time-lapsed or whatever, whatever feels right or whatever whatever's going to feel right to the people who are coming to it as well. Yeah. So yeah, I think I, I think that's why it needs to happen in a in a real world space, whatever whatever shape that takes. Yeah. I just yeah, I, sorry Ian. Sorry, Mel. I was just going to say everything that you just said applies to me on a much smaller scale with Sheffield Content Club, so local meetup. And you know, I've been beating myself up for weeks about having not really made a decision whether I should try and uh, do a, a basically a Zoom version and. I got to the point where I thought, all right, I better do something. And I contacted the person who I'd previously got lined up to speak. And they very politely declined, um, having already agreed. And I had a brief chat with them and they just said to me, um, I'd love to still do this when it's back in person. Um, I want to be able to show my, show my work. It's like such a, such a great thing. But I feel like there is so much happening at the moment that um, I, I haven't got the mental space to do it. And, and, and also... Um, I think part of what makes meetups great is that being in person thing. So that's not to discredit anyone who's of course doing it online, but it just rang true with me. I just thought, you know what, you're right. Not only do I genuinely not have the time and mental space to hold an event like this myself, but on a, on a, on a kind of practical level, I just made the decision to just, just admit defeat, draw a line under the sand and say, this has happened. It's, this is just one of those things and we'll come back whenever we come back. And um, all of the reasons you just gave kind of ring true to me and make make perfect sense, especially with something on a much bigger scale like like what what you had planned. Yeah, and I think all these all these people who would have committed their time because you know the festival is a, a celebration, but it is it's also something that people do sort of because they want to, not because they have to. Um, and you're asking people to give up time, we give up our time. Um, but everybody's got well, not everybody, but a lot of people have got more family members around their house than they had previously all the time so i think i think mental capacity is a bit stretched for doing something extra at the moment uh, yeah i think that, i think when you're uh, in person when you go to work you go to work it doesn't matter what's at what's at home really you're all roughly in a similar sort of situation in the sense that you are in a place at an event you've all committed to go there but once you're all in your own homes we're all going through this experience at the same time exactly the same thing is happening to everybody but we, we all have such different um, home lives and, and things that will impact us that we can't possibly understand what every other person is going through. The, the experience is weirdly shared, but also entirely different for everybody, depending on lots of different factors. And I just, yeah, I've, exactly the same reasons you said it. It just seems like a, uh, to, to, it feels like it, even more so than asking someone to come to a venue for a couple of hours. It feels like a, a, a for me. It felt like a just a, just a huge ask to come along and yeah. and take more of this time and another Zoom call and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I think everyone's a little bit Zoom weary as well. <laughs> if we're all honest, I think it's, it's it's an incredibly useful tool. But I think sometimes you kind of you could do a half an hour between one sometimes. It's because they are they are quite intense, aren't they? Sometimes. They are. It's because you look at, like in a meeting. You can someone else is talking. You can just quietly pick your nose or like or nod <laughs> off. 
but if you're looking like uh, this bank of people who you assume are looking at you when of course they're really just looking at themselves each person is only looking at themselves and it's uh <laughs> then it's uh you kind of feel like you have to be more alert permanently um, yeah, i've noticed a new a slightly well some of the ones I've been having with people we've not spoke to on zoom before uh, just leaving a photograph of themselves there and I think I think that's the that's the next phase. I think backgrounds were a few months ago. Then back to, back to your own living space, and now just a still photograph. <laughs> I've noticed a lot of that as well. People just turning off the video now, and I started doing it as well. So particularly if you've been in a meeting for quite a while, just I saw a couple of people do it, and I thought, and they were still contributing to the meeting perfectly reasonably well. <laughs> so I thought I'm mowing the lawn at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, picking the nose. Um, <laughs> So what's been going on this week? So we haven't had a festival, but stuff's been happening. Can you talk us through that before we clock off? This is an idea that just came up between the content team with Sheffield Digital and the team at the fest at uh, Field, which is that, you know, we should have been having a festival over the past six or seven days. And it would be nice to still have some kind of a celebration. So um, what's been going on is, is through social media, we've just been pushing out lots of content about stuff that we need to celebrate. Um, so, you know, uh, past things from the festival last year, blog posts, podcasts, stuff on social media, content from other providers, all that kind of thing. And it all went out with the hashtag ChefDigiCelebration uh, and with graphics from the festival. And then yesterday, hopefully everyone who subscribes to our newsletter We'll have got a bumper festival newsletter with loads and loads of content of, of just cool stuff that we think was worth celebrating. And just looking through it, I felt it made me feel really good and really positive to see that there is, you know, over the past year, there's just been an awful lot to celebrate on the Sheffield digital scene. Um, so that, that was what we were doing and hopefully we'll get to do something less virtual sometime before the end of the year. Um, any to add, anything to add, Johnny? Um, I'd like to, but I, I think I'd be doing Mel a disservice in that she put all that stuff together, really. We, we helped make it look nice on this occasion. <laughs> um, when, it, when it comes to the festival proper, we obviously are a lot more heavily involved. But we were involved, uh, but it's, it's mostly come from the Sheffield Digital content team, I would say. Big shout out to Claire and to Sarah for that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right well i think i think we're done thank you for that it was really interesting uh talking to you again johnny and i'm pleased that you you were all working on some uh, interesting projects as well it sounds like there's some good stuff going on there from your homes no i think i think yeah i think everyone's adapted really well they've, they've all been great great well thank you for your time and for joining us again and we look forward to uh attending an in-person Sheffield digital festival in 2020 well, you heard it here first <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> Okay, so we still have time for some Sheffield Digital news. Sheffield Digital things are still happening, as you might imagine. And we have uh, lots on the website, and we still have lots on the website around COVID-19 and, uh, and uh, where you can get support and all the different things that are happening. So where should we start, Mel? Well, I mean, there was that sort of initial splurge of loads and loads of information and various grants and loans and all that kind of thing. And then it quietened down a little bit. I think one of the things that the digital industries were most worried about was that the uh, grants that you got if you paid business rates 
didn't apply to an awful lot of people, particularly people in shared workspaces and co-working spaces. Um, and there was quite a lot of lobbying of central government about that from all over the country, um, um, including from Sheffield. Um, as a result, the government came out with a further wadge of funding, uh, which they've passed down to the local authorities. So in our case, to Sheffield City Council um, and called them discretionary grants specifically to cover the sorts of businesses that were in that hole because they couldn't show how they were paying business rates. Um, that sounds really great on the face of it, but there's a little bit of a, a catch in that the way central government have allocated it is they've done it as a percentage of what their original allocation for the business rates grants were to each local authority, but it's not based on just the original allocation, it's based on how much were you actually able to get out so for Sheffield City Council, it's been quite a balancing act of working out exactly how much discretionary funding will they actually get from government and then figuring out how best to allocate that. So that is all coming. Um, I think, don't hold me to this, but I think next week there will be stuff published about how to access those discretionary grants. But the good news is, is that if you are a business that was based in a co-working space, or in the sort of managed workspace where you weren't paying the business rates, there should be an opportunity for you to make a claim. Um, when there's concrete information, I'll make sure it goes onto the website. The other thing I wanted to update on is that there was um, another, I keep using the word wadge, but <laughs> another large quantity of uh, funding that was pushed out through Innovate UK to be allocated to businesses that were already working within Innovate UK on some kind of research or innovation project. Um, and I'm hearing that that has just been massively oversubscribed. There is also the question about a little extra wadge that was put aside, which for, was for businesses that weren't currently working with Innovate UK and we still don't quite know how that's going to work or how it's going to be allocated. But again, as it comes through, we will um, share the news on that. And then Ian, I can see from our notes that you added in some information about the bounce back loans. Um, yes, so another, um, so these uh, bounce back loans, I think apply to anyone that meets the criteria, but um, the reason I thought it was worth mentioning is because when we had our when we had our podcast with uh, Shorts and Keebles, so right at the start of the crisis, really when we realised um, lots of businesses were going to need support, we talked about people in our situation actually, and <laughs> we we quizzed them live on air. Yes. Um, this idea of the company of one, so people who are freelancers who uh, who uh, uh, run everything through a, a company, which uh, you can do for various reasons, um, and. And so I, I know for a fact that these new bounce back loans uh, can work for people like that. Um, so freelancers and people who work independently um, who weren't, so, pre, so people in that situation, not available, other funding not available at all. Yeah, that's um, right. So, so people like you and I who are the sole director and employee of a limited company, because for various reasons we set ourselves up that way, we weren't eligible for the self-employment 80% um, equivalent of being furloughed essentially so we couldn't get that um, but they have now set out what they're calling bounce back loans 
um, which I understand are really easy for apply to apply for. I haven't done that, but yeah. Ian, you have. I have done it, yes. Um, so it's, it is very easy to do. Um, uh, basically, it's, uh, you can um, uh, apply for 20% of what your overall um, revenue is for annual revenue, I think for 2019, or if you haven't got that to estimate. Um, so you can apply for 25% of that, and it is interest-free for a year. So the government effectively pay the interest on it for a year. And then after a year, it's 2.5% interest, which is obviously quite low, very low. Um, and you apply through your bank if your bank allows you to do so. So I'm with Starling Bank, which is relatively popular, I think, with freelancers and what have you. Um, and it all took hours, like it, as, as in from the moment I asked for it to the moment it arrived in my bank account. It was hours. It was incredibly straightforward and, and, um, and easy to do. Um, and, and so from a very personal point of view, for me, it just seemed like whilst I've been very fortunate and managed to uh, mostly be okay in terms of keeping work going, having that uh, as a kind of a, a reassuring um, uh, addition to my bank accounts over the next year without having to pay interest is like an incredible peace of mind. Um, and, uh, you know, it all being well, we'll get to 12 months time and it'll all just go back to the government via the yeah. bank and that's fine. But it's, that is now available for people in, in, in that situation, but it's available for other limited companies too. You don't have to be a company of one to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if you want to find the links of, of where to get more information about that and how to apply there, um, in, on the Sheffield Digital website in the COVID-19 section, there's um, a page that has got the regular updates from Shorts in it. And I made sure that all the links and everything were in there. So you can find them there. Fantastic. And you've been on an exciting call today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, one of the many groups I've been pulled into because of the work that I do with Sheffield Digital is the Sheffield City Council COVID-19 Business Response Group, which is a um, very interesting group with a, a mix of people from the public and private sectors. Um, looking very much at recovery, um, you know, how are we going to start to get back to whatever normal is going to look like in the future. Um, and it's, it's a very productive group and um, seems to be really coming together well, which is encouraging. But today um, we heard about plans for a gradual safe reopening of Sheffield City Centre which is really encouraging um, and the plans aren't all public yet so I won't go into detail but I wanted to share the fact that you know these plans are being made and they are very very well thought through um, and also for a marketing campaign to encourage people to come back because it's not just a question of saying here we are you know retail is open for business again and these are the measures we've put in place for everybody's safety and well-being but also it, there's a confidence issue around, you know, encouraging people to perhaps come back um, when it's not been somewhere they've been for 10, 12 more weeks. Um, so I want to let people know that that work is happening and that details, I'll certainly help share details as soon as I'm allowed to make those public. Um, I've also learned through that group and that um, Sheffield City Region are working with PwC um, to create a strategy for recovery for the region 
and that will form the basis of the asks that go to central government in terms of funding. Um, and again, there's some very rapid work going on there, as you would expect, but also encouraging work. And the digital community is represented at the moment through me um, and through my role on the Sheffield Business Response Group. But I will actually be coming out to the community to ask for some extra help in making sure that uh, we're representing the digital industries properly in those recovery plans. Fantastic. It was all, all encouraging. It is. <laughs> it's it an intensive way. Yes, in, encouraging in, in the fact that stuff is actually going on and there's a real, real sense of urgency about it all, uh, which is extremely positive. Um, of course, it, there's all still a huge amount of uncertainty out there and we'll, we're all having to cope with that. But at least stuff is being thought about and worked through. Great. Um, and the Donate Your Tech project, which we mentioned on the last episode with Chris, um, the help is still needed there? Yes. So um, the, the, the Donate Your Tech project has got... Um, uh, somebody volunteering uh, and be doing development and people doing content and you know lots of, of good stuff going on but it needs a project manager uh, because Chris who was sort of project managing it is, is involved in a lot of other very big projects at the moment he's extremely busy it's one of the reasons he's not on the podcast today is his his brain is just fried um, we we have had uh one project manager come forward and say they'd like to help, but uh, this is also someone who's just recently started a new job and is extremely busy. So I was wondering if there is anybody else out there who would like to co-project manage, if that is such a thing, just to help us get this project over the line, because it's looking really good. There's an urgent, urgent need. You know, I'm hearing about um, kids who aren't able to do their schoolwork because either there are no devices at home or there's a, you know, there isn't, aren't enough devices and mum or dad are using them for work or whatever the situation may be. So, um, and that's just one example of the need that's out there. So if we could get this project over the line, it would be such an amazing contribution from the digital community to the Sheffield community at large, but we need some help with that. So if you are a project manager with some spare capacity uh, and the willingness to do some voluntary stuff, please get in touch with me and I will loop you in with the rest of the project team. Marvellous. Um, the Sheffield Digital Jobs Board said this last time, but it's just worth mentioning again. I mean, it's not, nothing new, it's just there is one and it's open and people are posting jobs. I guess that's the important message to uh, convey, isn't it? Absolutely. And don't forget that it's anybody can post a digital or digital related job on there. You don't have to be a member of Sheffield Digital. Um, it's there to serve the community so please do use it okay time for some events events are still taking place too albeit online so here's what's coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks uh, we have on the 27th of may the yorkshire cyber security monthly meetup there's going to be no problems with the uh, hacking zoom for that one um on the uh, presumably um uh, the so same not be now <laughs> <laughs> Um, on the same evening, it's good to know that even though we don't have the uh, the the kind of restrictions of like event space and working around like, event, um, you know, 
restrictions and stuff like that, uh, that we still book these things on the same day. Uh, we have the <laughs> Sheffield Innovation Webinar, Leading Through Turbulent Change. That's also on the 27th. And also on the 27th, the UX Sheffield Online, the next one of those. On the, on the 28th is the second Sheffield Collective online meetup. So that's uh, the new uh, meetup slash organization. Not quite sure what to call it, really. Uh, from uh, Sheffield, uh, Sheffield Collective, that's by James Marriott. And it's for freelancers to come and share their woes and share their successes and generally feel like they're part of a community. On the 29th of May still, this is the Sheffield Innovation Webinar. Oh, that's the same one. <laughs> We're doing it twice. It's so good. Um, that's marvelous. That's on the 29th as well as the 27th. And then if I just look on the Sheffield uh, digital calendar, which you can all access whenever you want, as we go into June, we have the next.net chef, which is on the second. Um, and on the third two is another another.net uh, chef. Now they have question marks next to online. I'm not sure what their plans are. Do you think those events are uh, question marked in general as whether they're taking place? I don't know if Sophie was here, she would know for sure. Um, but we'll definitely make sure it gets updated so it's clear for everybody. Yep, so go and have a look at the Sheffield Digital Events calendar to find out. And then on the fourth, we have a, the Sheffield IoT meetup, um, which is about connected care. And that's about it that's in the schedule. So still stuff to do, still places to go, people mm -hmm. to see. And don't forget, if you run a meetup and you need some help in getting it up online, um, Sophie Wendell, our community manager, is here to make that happen for you. Indeed. And we have a couple of uh, new members, which is always good to tell you about. On the company side of things, we have Pine Media. Uh, they joined on the 2nd of May, which is marvellous. And individuals-wise, we have Sophie Wendell. It's good that she's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's going to. Uh, she's joined as well. She's a member and uh, and uh, a key part of the team. And uh, Emily Dryman as well, who joined on the twenty second of May. I've started doing the dates now, Mel. There's no real reason for me to do that, but uh, I'm, I'm doing it anyway. So I think it's lovely, and and it's great to have new people joining. Really appreciate your support. Absolutely, and um, I think that's about it. Have you got any more to add, Mel? Before I do the outro stuff. No, uh, I just hope everybody is staying safe, well, and relatively sane. Um, if you have good news stories that you'd like to share with the Sheffield Digital community, get in touch with Claire Fletcher, Claire at Sheffield Digital. Uh, she's always looking for content for the website and our newsletter. That's it. And if you want to subscribe to the Sheffield Digital podcast, you can do that in Apple Podcasts. You can do it in wherever you want, really, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's absolutely fine. We've got no preference. Um, and you can find it more at sheffield.digital slash podcast and we post all of these episodes to the website so you can go and listen to the entire archive whenever you want and I think that's about it we'll speak to you next time bye for now <laughs>